If uh, the, the aliens like manufactured you to be uh, a nah. mixed martial arts fighter, they're like, let's see if we can just turn. This I'm sure. Into I would, a bad it, I'm sure if it would have happened, I would have been much better than than, than this. Much know? better than this. You're the fucking champion. What are yeah, you talking but about? if I would be alien manufacturer, I would be a <laughs> Superman. You know. Alhamdulillah, God give me everything. Alhamdulillah, I know you got this, you don't like this. Alhamdulillah, tomorrow night I'm gonna smash your boy, guys. I'm gonna smash your boy. And I wanna say thank you, all Irish fans, you know, all fans around the world. Because of you guys, this fight is happening. Thank you guys, and tomorrow night, inshallah, and still. Call him Mystic Khabib from now on. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast. I welcome you to episode 36 of Martian Mixed Martial Arts. And today we are going to be recapping the crazy weekend that just happened of UFC 229, along with discussing some newly announced title fights that have been announced within the past 24 to 48 hours. A lot of action happening this weekend, and like I said, these... uh, uh, this, the Monday and Tuesday, the UFC had been very busy, even today, Wednesday, announcing a new title fight. So it seems like the ball is rolling at, uh, at the end of the year. You know, it was a little bit stagnant for a while. We didn't have a lot of uh, headliners for uh, UFC 230, 231, and 232. And even the cards that we did have a few title fights for, they were not, you know, main event worthy. And uh, luckily, we had some more title fights get announced, and uh, we'll talk about them in a little bit. But first, we got to start talking about the UFC 229 and the brawl that ensued after. Man, what a crazy, crazy scene. Perhaps one of the craziest uh, live moments in UFC history. Um, very few that topple it. You know, Anderson Silva breaking his leg and, you know... I guess Brock Lesnar coming into the octagon a little while ago was pretty uh, hectic, but nothing like this, man. The only thing that I can compare to this in MMA history was the Strike Force brawl that happened back in Nashville in 2011 between Mayhem Miller and the Diaz brothers. That got out of hand, but I, still, man, I think this this tops that. And uh, if you're unaware of what happened after Khabib. Nurmagomedov defeated Conor McGregor. Uh, he walked over to Conor McGregor's corner and started shouting at uh, his coaches and particularly one of his uh, coaches, Dylan Dennis. And Dylan, you know, kind of, I don't know, encouraged him and antagonized him. Uh, maybe like, the, like you know, made like a come here motion with his hand. And Khabib uh, jumped over the cage in an effort to drop kick Dylan Dennis after a running start off the cage. And a huge brawl ensued after, uh, you know, pun- Dylan Dennis was punched. Uh, you know, the commissioners and police officers and UFC employees were trying to hold everybody back. And after Khabib leaped out of the octagon, Connor went to run after, uh, you know, 
run into all the commotion after he realized the commotion was happening. He was still down where he got submitted uh, in the octagon. Eventually, he realized there was some commotion going on and ran over to jump over the cage himself, which is when, I believe, uh, uh, Connor, or, uh, Khabib's brother uh, or cousin, who the hell knows, I think his name is Ab- Abderminikov, Abder, let me get this gentleman's name, Abubkar Nurmagomedov, I'm probably butchering that, but still, looks like he grabbed the foot of Conor McGregor um, while he was trying to grab over the, oh, jump over the cage, to which Conor then uh, swung at him, then he you know, uh, some officials pulled him off the cage, and then another person started walking up to him, which looked like Zubaria Tukarov, who is a UFC fighter with a UFC fight coming up. And uh, Connor, before he had the chance to walk up to Connor, Connor punched him with a left hand. And then uh, Khabib's brother, Umar Nurmagomedov, um, went up to Connor afterwards and, you know, started pushing pushing him against the cage. Looked like he almost went for a double leg takedown. And then Zubaria came in again and slapped uh, Connor allegedly, from what he said in a video. And then after those two gentlemen are separated, a third guy jumps over the cage um, and starts punching McGregor in, the, in uh, a, a few times, bare-fisted, two or three times. Uh, who the hell knows who this guy is? I, I really don't even know. Uh, I mean, considering he's probably the, the most, uh, the the one at fault the most. Uh, it could have been this Abukar guy, you know, this Abubakar, the guy I mentioned earlier who was the first one to grab McGregor. I believe it could have been him. I'm not really, you know, positive on all the identities of these of these these Dagestani gentlemen who were involved in the brawl. But um, then that gentleman was probably the most egregious part of the night. A guy uh, who, you know, wasn't even in the corner, didn't have gloves on, and, uh, you know, jumps over the fence and, and sucker punches McGregor in the back of the head a few times. Didn't really even get any two clean shots off, surprisingly, the fact that, you know, McGregor was turned around. That was, yeah, the probably the, the worst part of this entire event. So, you know, we can talk about, you know, the the what what happens after, you know, who's, who's fault is it you know um the it's everybody's at fault you know a little bit of everybody it's not on one you know party it's on it's on connor it's on connor's team it's on khabib khabib's team the ufc it's on it's all of their faults you know uh connor was you know talking a lot of trash getting really personal for this fight didn't really back it up in the octagon you know connor's team was you know antagonizing uh khabib after the fight that was wrong uh, Khabib shouldn't have left the octagon and tried to drop kick Connor's corner. That was wrong. Khabib's team should not have tried to jump McGregor after the fight. That was wrong. And the UFC is in the wrong for letting letting behavior like this go unpunished a lot of the time. Letting people, you know, promote fights based on, you know, ethnic tension and religious tension and political tension, you know, with Putin and the whole region that uh, uh, Khabib comes from. You know, they, they let that go on. They let Connor throw the dolly through the bus and not really get much punishment. They let him, you know, jump the cage of the Bellator uh, and not get any punishment. And for the most part, a lot a lot of fighters have been doing, you know, stuff like this. And 
uh, or have been doing really egregious things and, and not getting punished. So I mean, when you, there's no ri- when there's no risk of punishment, the people's tempers are going to be out of control, which is exactly what we saw what happened to Khabib. You know, I see a lot of people saying that, oh man, it, it, it's Connor's fault. He was the one who was you know talking all this shit about his father and his you know his country and whatever. Connor didn't didn't what you know, what? So you're like the type of people who believe in hate speech. The type of people who think that certain words should be criminalized and certain you're not able to say certain things. No, no, no. This is America. You can say whatever you want. You can say, you know, you can talk shit about someone's dad. You can talk shit about their family, their culture, their team, all of it. It doesn't give you the right to, to jump out of the cage and try to assault his teammates. It doesn't get, you know, they had their fight. He Khabib had his time to repay McGregor for all of the shit that he talked. And he had 18 minutes and three seconds to do that in the cage. And he did that. Actually, was it 18 minutes? Yeah, 18 minutes. He did it. He made him pay. He, he beat him pretty badly. He smashed him in the second round. And then he eventually made him tap in the fourth round. So, I mean... That was your time. That was your revenge. You proved it right there. There was no need for you to get your your temp your temper out of control and jump the cage and try to drop kick people and start a brawl in the crowd or around fans. That was very very irresponsible. Um, you know, it was definitely the wrong thing to do. But I mean, you know, it, it's not totally totally unjustified. I mean, obviously, uh, a person who comes from Dagestan, whose you know father was their role model and their person who made everything in their career happen, Khabib went right after him, or Conor went right after him, insulting him. He insulted his teammates, his manager, his. Um, Let's see. Uh, I mean, his. You know, people say he insulted his religion. I don't. He did not. I don't really insult his religion. You know, Connor offered Khabib a drink of whiskey on his on his birthday, and people uh, took that as you know him insulting his religion. No, Connor. I really don't think Connor knew that Muslims don't drink. Um, and even you know I. Even I think he was, you know, he was saying, "Come on, it's his birthday." I mean, he, he said it to Dana, eh, "It's his birthday. It's no big deal." And he said, "Oh, I don't drink." And then after that, I think Connor might have called him backwards. He said, "What is that, you backwards fool?" You know, so that might have been a little, uh, a little offensive towards Khabib. Um, but but yeah, still doesn't give you the 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 right to lose your composure in there after putting on one of the best uh, performances of your career. Um, you know, millions upon millions of eyes are on the sport that night. It's already reported that in America, uh, the, the pay-per-view buys around 2.4 to 2.5 million, which would surpass the last UFC record by 800,000 buys. And uh, it was reported that 4 million people were watching in Russia on TV, their most watched uh, MMA event of all time. And, you know, you have to know that millions probably tens of millions of people were watching on illegal streams throughout america and the rest of the world and a a lot of other countries have you know pay-per-view fights in some package you know the uk they pay 9.99 a month and they get all ufc you know uh pay-per-views i don't think that they attribute those to their pay-per-views so i want to say 10 to 20 uh even as high as 25 million people could have been watching this fight live across the world. And, uh, you know, it, it had a great night. It was a great card, a great main card. There were a ton of, lo- uh, a ton of great fights that I'll talk about soon after. 
But uh, unfortunately, a huge, huge stain on the biggest night in MMA history, putting this, uh, you know, having this brawl come out afterwards, having these people sucker punch Connor, having the champion, the guy who just won the title, the uh, supposedly this respectful guy, you know, loses composure and, you know, getting uh, incite a brawl, really. So, you know, not a good look for the, uh, for the UFC, for MMA. It's, uh, you know, obviously the people loved it. I mean, the casual fan probably thought it was great. They probably thought it was, you know, spec- oh, yeah, the, you know, UFC is like WWE, man. The people are going crazy over there. You know, um, it's, you know, it, it didn't, you know, it didn't, it was certainly less damaging than me if the fight shit the bed if it was a boring five round wrestling match and you know it the the fight didn't shit the bed it was a great fight still but um you know it, it still damaged it's that damaged the 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 image of the sport, you know, people are going to think that this shit happens all the time. They're going to think that people, you know, are, are you know, the fighters are uh, super violent and they're super, you know, they lose their uh, temper and they, they think that the UFC is just still in a, bar, in a barbaric state of which it was maybe in like the 1990s. So not, like I said, not the best uh, look for the sport, but still a very, very successful pay-per-view, a very successful night for the UFC. Uh, I mean, obviously they have a, a couple uh, hula hoops to jump through after this, you know, uh, with this brawl and everything. But still, they made a fuckload of money. The biggest gate in La- in MMA history. Oh uh, no, in Las Vegas history. Excuse me. Uh, I believe uh, the Bell Center in Toronto and uh, maybe the event UFC one ninety eight in Brazil um and ufc 193 in australia i believe all did higher gates but as far as las vegas this fight uh did the highest gates 17.2 million 20,000 people in attendance i think the previous record was around 12 million for ufc 189 so i mean the gate like i said just smashed uh oh by over 5 million like i said 2.5 million pay-per-view buys at 65 dollars uh a buy let's see let's get this number up here 2.5 2.5 that's 162 million that seems that doesn't even seem like enough yeah maybe 162 million dollars uh in pay-per-view revenue along with the gate you know it, it was a, it's a terrific terrific night for the ufc um with that you know asterisk on the end of it but uh let's talk about the rest of the card uh just breeze through it real quick tony martin uh dismantled ryan the flair uh, you know, beating him in the first two rounds of the fight standing and then eventually getting a nasty head kick knockout in the third. Ryan LaFleur looking terrible. I believe he's actually retired since then. Um, really damn shame. Wish he would have told me before I bet on him, that motherfucker. Um, so uh, still impressive performance from Tony Martin. Um, Nick Lentz defeated Gray Maynard by TKO in the second round. Just an all-out beating from, from Nick Lentz here. Uh, Nick Lentz, I think he landed like 88 significant strikes in the first round man gray maynard's chin is you know his chin sucks he gets rocked by a punch really easily but after that the dude's chin is granite he can get rocked and be out of it but you will never put the dude out cold like he will just eat as many punches as you throw him and he'll still stay standing. I mean, he, he's barely defending himself and getting ton, eating tons and tons of damage, not having any offense to come back, but he's still surviving those punches. So, man, what a fucking warrior Gray Maynard is, but eventually gets TKO'd in the second round. Just brutal, brutal fight for him. It took probably 100 shots to the head, and it's really, really time for Gray Maynard to retire. 
Uh, doesn't really put much va uh, stock in Lentz Nick Lentz either. I mean, he's basically beaten a corpse at this point. But um, Yana Kunitskai defeating Lena Landsberg. High-level MMA here, pushing against the cage. Uh, maybe a takedown here and there. Just terrible, terrible, boring fight. Um, next fight, Scott Holtzman pulling off a big upset. Uh, maybe the biggest on the card. Um against alan patrick yes it was the biggest uh, underdog on the card um plus 260 man alan patrick just not showing up in this one not wrestling scott holtzman showing the fuck up for this one uh really his striking looked good his wrestling defense was good and eventually landed a terrific knockout by uh elbowing alan patrick's face into the mat from the mount just a, ter a brutal brutal finish uh, next fight, Aspen Ladd ran through Tony Evinger like knife through hot butter. Uh, the younger, more athletic, 23-year-old, more muscular uh, fighter was taking on a 37-year-old old fighter coming off of a knee surgery. Aspen Ladd just smashed Evinger, got on top, and just pounded her out. Uh, really impressive from Aspen Ladd. Um, next fight, Vincente Luque ran through uh, Jalen Turner. It was a close fight. Vincente Luque was like a minus 800 favorite. Jalen Turner brought in on short notice from another promotion. And it's a damn shame they gave him this fight because Turner is pretty impressive. He's got some skills for a young guy. But they, I mean, they bring him in against the top t 10, 15 uh, welterweight to just get slaughtered in his first fight. It's a terrible way to bring in uh, a prospect to your company. But Vincente Luque looking pretty good and eventually getting a pretty brutal finish in this one. Uh, seven knockouts in this one. One of the mo Some of the most knockouts of all time in a UFC event, if I recall correctly. Uh, next fight, Juicy Formiga defeated Sergio Pettis in the decision. Pretty boring fight, man. Sergio Pettis shit the bed on this one, man. He just couldn't get anything going. Juicy Formiga's grappling was on point. Uh, didn't really hunt for subs too much, but uh, looked pretty confident to just get position and stall out and win around. But that Formiga's kind of made a career over that. So, But, man, I'm just surprised at how mediocre Sergio Pettis looked in this one. Uh, you know, he was, uh, you know, one minute away from a title shot, and he just comes out against Formiga and looks flat. So, really disappointing performance from him. Moving on to the main card. Uh, first fight, um, not too exciting. Michelle Watterson defeated Felice Herrig. Uh, you know, the scores were a little bit wide for this one. Uh, I really thought that Felice, this was a close, close fight. You know, I thought Felice uh, won the first and was even close in the, in the third round, too. But a couple of the judges gave all three to Watterson and one even a 10-8 to Watterson, which is just totally, totally unjustified. So, um, you know, Michelle is looking pretty good in this one. And, um, but, uh, I mean, both of these women's ceiling is pretty, pretty uh, set right now. I think it's around the, you know, 6 through 10 mark of the women's strawweight division. I don't think they'll be able to beat, you know, Andrade or uh, Kowalkiewicz or uh, Joanna, Rose, uh, and then, of course, Tatiana Suarez, the new the new dog in town. I don't think any of those girls will be able to beat any of those girls. So, um, unfortunately, I think there's a little bit stuck in limbo here. Uh, next fight, crazy, crazy fight. Derek Lewis defeated Alexander Volkov by knockout three minute or four minutes and 49 seconds into the fifth third round excuse me so that's 14 minutes and 49 seconds out of 15 minutes in this fight Derek Lewis was getting his ass beat for the first 14 min minutes and 30 seconds of this fight ass beat man almost stopped multiple times looked like he broke his orbital bone he was like holding his eye in pain because his eye was smashed 
and Alexander Volkov could not capitalize. He literally thought he eye-poked Derek Lewis and called timeout for Lewis, even though he really just landed like a jab, and it probably crushed his orbital bone, and Lewis was holding his eye in pain. And Volkov's like, hey, man, you all right? You need to take a break? There were multiple times when Lewis was hurt bad in this fight, and Volkov just didn't follow up and didn't chase the finish, man. And then in the last... He's winning the third round. He won the first two rounds decisively. I thought he almost finished him in the in the first and the third. It was probably on his way to a, a maybe 30-25 decision. And then in the last 30 seconds of the fight, he just freezes up, starts defending totally different than he has the entire fight, and gets caught with a huge overhand right. Drops him to the canvas, and Derek Lewis pounds him out for the finish. It was... J- truly one of the most shocking comebacks I've ever seen. Um, I don't want to really talk about this fight anymore because I lost money on um, Alex Volkov. It was a clear... I bet Volkov, I bet Volkov round three. He was close to finishing in round three. I could have hedged multiple times on the live betting when I knew the fight was close. I knew that Lewis was still in there. He still had power, and it seemed like Volkov was... It's, it, I don't know, man. I had an intuition about this one. It was plus 300. I was like, nah, I, I, I'll wait. I'll wait. Plus 400, nah. It, it, nah, it's not. Plus 600, plus 700. It got up to plus 854. It would have only taken a few dollars to hedge my entire bet, and I would have been in the green no matter what. Um, but I just chose not to in probably one of the stupidest decisions uh, of my betting career. It, the, the read was good. The re- I did tape on this fight. I knew I knew Volkov was a terrible matchup for him. Uh, I was it was a good bet. You know you can't you can't really say it was a bad bet when it was winning for 14 minutes and 30 seconds, and uh, ended up losing on some fluke shit. Um, it, it just just disappointing. It wasn't a, Volkov wasn't a bad bet. It was a bad bet not hedging on Lewis when I had the chance to. So, you know, obviously, incredible, incredible comeback from Derek Lewis. This dude has just fucking, like, entities guiding him to success in the UFC. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's some external being that that rescues Derek Lewis. Uh, how many round three finishes does Derek Lewis have? Um, let's see. He, uh, round three, Victor Pesta, TKO. Um... Let's see, Shamil Abdurmanikov, round four, TKO. Travis Brown, round two, TKO. Tabura, round three, TKO. So he's only got four four third-round finishes. But, you know, late finishes are this guy's specialty. He's losing the fight, he looks out of it, and somehow he pulls that shit out of his ass. It's incredible. And more on Derek Lewis coming up in a little bit. Um, I won't spoil it yet. But uh, next fight, Dominic Reyes defeating Ovin St. Pru. Pretty boring fight. Uh, Reyes hurt. Ovin St. Pru really bad in the first round, and uh, after that, OSP wasn't the same, couldn't amount any offense, and after that, Reyes wasn't the same. He used a lot of energy trying to finish OSP, but couldn't get the job done. So the latter two rounds of this fight were pretty low output, pretty boring, but nonetheless, Dominic Reyes getting the W, uh, looking pretty good doing so, uh, beating his highest level opponent yet in OSP. And in the co-main event, we had a dog fight. One thing I guarantee about this fight was there was going to be blood, and I was spot on. There was a lot of blood in this fight. Didn't know who was going to win. Thought Tony had the edge, but man, uh, again, perfect read on this fight. I thought Tony was going to win. 
I, but I also thought that, that the line was a little off on Pettis. I thought the line was the, his TKO line especially. And we saw Pettis rock Tony Ferguson in this fight. You know, I knew it was a possibility, and I knew that, it, you know, the fact that it was 11-1 odds was ridiculous, so it was a perfect stab uh, if you didn't really want to go and pet his money line, which I didn't, and, um, you know, just, uh, like I said, good read on the fight, and uh, there was, a, there was uh, you know, ups and downs. Tony looked good, or Tony got his legs kicked coming out in, in the first of the, uh, minute of the fight, coming off that knee surgery. It was really, really worrying me. And, uh, you know, the commentators were pointing out, too, they thought Tony might have been limping, but, you know, uh, he, he st- stayed tall, uh, you know, stayed strong, kept up that pressure like he's known for, uh, and ended up uh, really punishing Anthony Pettis in this one. Uh, won the fir- Tony Ferguson won the first round, uh, was using his elbows, was, you know, using his walk-forward pre- uh, style, really crisp boxing, and, um, you know, just typical vintage Tony Ferguson. And then eventually, in the start of the second round, Pettis is able to rock Ferguson, but again, Ferguson remained calm and composed and was able to roll out of uh, any trouble, literally uh, was rolling out of uh, trouble in this one after he got rocked and uh, was able to regain his composure, uh, clear his head, and uh, you know just keep up that output uh, throughout the second round. And he was put, beaten, beaten Pettis bad. And at the end of the second round, um, uh, Duke Rufus, Anthony Pettis' coach, said, Anthony, you're all right, man? And then uh, Pettis said, my, my right hand's broken. And he's like, all right, man, I'm not sending you out there with a broken hand. It's over. And he called the fight there. Uh, so really good decision by uh, Duke Rufus on that one. I think that t- t- Tony would have finished in the third, and he probably would have done a lot of damage to Pettis. So really, really smart move for him to to, to uh, p- pull his fighter there. And Tony Ferguson, man, knee surgery uh, five months ago, and he rehabs it by himself, comes back, has a full healthy training camp, and takes out a former champion in Anthony Pettis to make his UFC record 14-1 and on a... 11 fight win streak maybe even 12 fight win streak the dude is just incredible man just truly truly incredible fighter uh that we all have the privilege of witnessing tony ferguson and uh we went over the main event already we'll talk about a little of the fight though the fight we didn't talk about we talked about the the aftermath but uh the fight was a little bit uh it was, a, it was a good fight. Um, you know, a lot of people thought it was Conor was going to knock him out of the first or Khabib was going to maul him by the second or something, but it didn't turn out like that at all. It was uh, it was pretty competitive. Uh, for the first round of the fight, um, uh, Khabib shot in pretty early. Khabib, or Conor wasn't uh, able to get off any striking, effective striking in the first, you know, 30 seconds to a minute. It looked like Conor was defending the takedown well, but eventually uh, got uh, Khabib did get him down. Once he got him down, though, this round, Khabib was not able to uh, inflict the um, usual amount of damage that he is used to. He's usually just a world beater on the ground will just, you know, fuck your life up once he gets you there. But Connor did a good job, you know, tying up his arms and minimizing the punishment that he took in this round. Uh, that was the game plan, according to John Cavanaugh. His coach said that, you know, we were, we thought we were going to get down in the first, but our objective was to just take it as little damage as possible. Uh, round two, he said, again, same thing. Uh, we thought we were going to get taken down. And he said... Kavanaugh said the the plan was to play guard. Uh, that's fucking retarded, man. You don't play guard against Khabib Nurmagomedov. He will smash your fucking face in. Uh, 
Like, the, when I heard him say that, I was like, dude, you got to be kidding me. Your plan was to play guard against Khabib? You should have been trying to get back up to your feet as, as you know, like, I, I know, I know that he's great at keeping you on your feet, but but playing guard is not acceptable either. What happened to Connor in round two is not acceptable. Connor got smashed in round two. You know, Khabib was able to, you know, um, get a, you know, side control, was able to uh, just stack Connor against the fence and just rain down uh, ground and pound on Connor. You probably landed, I want to say, eight to eight to ten hard punches on the ground. Um, and, uh, you know, the round was over. It was a 10-8 round. Uh, Connor gave him a big smile after he gave up, and you know it seemed like it seemed like he he was like uh, happy about something. You know he was happy that he survived the onslaught, which he did. He probably got Khabib to use a lot of energy, and now round three he's going to be able to implement his game plan, which he did. Round three, Connor was able to keep the fight standing. He was able to stuff takedowns. He was able to land some knees and elbows in the clinch, and disengage Khabib when uh, Khabib tried to wrap his hands around him, and. Um, Connor had a good round. He won the round. He he won the first round from from Khabib Nurmagomedov in Khabib's career. So you know, uh, successful, but he did not capitalize as much as he needed to. He needed to hurt Khabib in the third round. It was his only chance to really get off a lot of consecutive striking, a lot of you know multiple minutes on the feet. Like I said, although he won the round, he was not able to do as much damage as he needed to. That was his opportunity. Khabib was a little bit tired from the, the beating that he put on him in round two. But by round four, it seemed like Khabib has got his energy back. And it seemed like Connor had lost a bit of a step at this point. Uh, it seemed like his cardio was in worse condition than Khabib. Khabib came out the fourth round and was able to get uh, Connor down uh, fairly easily. Uh, Connor gave up an underhook. Uh, to Khabib, Khabib took his back, and uh, Khabib cinched in uh, a rear naked choke. It was a little bit over the chin, so kind of like a neck crank, jaw crusher, rear naked choke modification. Regardless, it gets the tap from Conor McGregor uh, a minute and 57 seconds into the, uh, no wait, three minutes and three seconds, excuse me, into the fourth round of this fight. Uh, re retaining his championship, and uh, the reason I put that clip in the beginning of the uh, the show was, man, Khabib really did predict it. He predicted he's going to smash him. You know, he predicted uh, he would retain his belt, and um, you know, he was pretty classy in that that clip. He, you know, thanked the Irish fans, thanked all the fans for making the fight happen, and uh, assured everyone that he was going to smash your boy, as in, you know. The fans boy, the UFC boy, everyone. So uh, and he did that indeed. So uh, you know, being a Conor McGregor fan, it, it was a bit of a rough night, man. It was pretty upsetting. I, I knew, I knew this was a very, very real possibility, and uh, it came true. So um, you know, what from from what's next for Conor, man? He's got options. Of course, he's got options. He's still the biggest star in the game. Um, still probably the most successful superstar in MMA history. So, he, you know, he has uh, the Nate Diaz rematch. He has the Alda rematch. Uh, you know, possibly Max Holloway um, rematch. All three of those fights are on the horizon. He, man, even George St. Pierre has an interest in fighting him. So does Anderson Silva. You know, he has legends at all weight classes wanting, wanting to fight him. He has, you know, active guys wanting to fight him. So he has a lot, a lot of possibilities. But I imagine he will take a few months off. Um, 
in the, uh, before his next contest. As for what's next for Khabib, I see a little bit of a suspension. You know, he he lost his cool and you know jumped into the crowd with you know intent to kind of hurt someone. So I see him getting maybe three six months suspension somewhere around there. You know, getting a pretty hefty fine, maybe two three hundred thousand dollars, maybe even five hundred thousand dollars. Um, so uh, it'll probably be twenty percent of his purse, which will be two hundred thousand or thirty uh, percent, which will be enough. That'll be twenty percent of his purse is two million four hundred thousand. Holy shit! All right, it may not be twenty percent. Maybe it'll be ten percent. Ten percent will be two hundred thousand. That's still a lot. So, um, but man, 10% seems low, you know, usually when they find a fighter, it's either 20 or 30%, so, shit, man, uh, could, could be better not, hope it's not 400 or 600,000, but, um, he, uh, did get a $2 million paycheck, the biggest of his career by far, so, but, uh, I believe that, I don't even know if he's been paid that, I believe it's being currently withheld by the Nevada State Athletic Commission pending his, you know, his, tri uh, not trial, pending his... Um, I don't even know. I don't even know what it is. Is I guess I guess it is a trial. So we will see in the near future what Khabib's punishments are. I don't believe Connor will have any punishments. Um, it seems like uh, Zubaria Tutarov, uh, UFC fighter, will be cut. Damn shame, man. This guy's got like over a million followers on 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 Instagram, and he he fucking threw away his UFC career to get in a slap on conor mcgregor after the fight what a fucking moron um you know there's a lot of a lot of fucking grease balls who attacked you know to zubaria the guy who punched mcgregor from behind um dude even even khabib's translator ran over to connor's corner and punched dylan dennis in the back of the head like the fucking translator like dude are you crazy like you know fucking know your place like i can't, i really can't believe that man and going forward khabib's gonna have you know a, a, a lot less uh of his team in his corner because man i can see a lot of these guys getting you know banned from the ufc even getting their, their visas revoked possibly um for you know assaulting someone so Conor McGregor did not press any charges, though. You know, he knew that the shit was, you know, the, 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 their teams were at war. And he knew that, uh, you know, the tensions were high. And so he decided to not uh, be, uh, not to place any any charges. So pretty smart move from him there. So uh, getting into uh, the, the rest of the news from this week, uh, UFC 230, the next pay-per-view, finally has a main event. We've been speculating about it for weeks. I thought they would have announced it weeks ago. You know, and the main event for this fight is a heavyweight title fight between champion Daniel Cormier versus Derek Lewis. Yes, Derek Lewis, the same gentleman who I told you got his ass beat for 14 minutes and 30 seconds of his fight three days ago. So that means... In on October 6th, Derek Lewis fought Alex Volkov, took, you know, 70, 80 shots to the head, was almost finished multiple times, looked like he broke his orbital bone multiple times, Look, looked terrible in the fight, you know, didn't have anything going until the last 30 seconds, and in his post-fight interview, he said that, you know, fuck that noise, I ain't fighting for the title yet, I need to work on my cardio, uh, Joe Rogan said, "You think about fighting for the talking about? 
or uh, you think about fighting for the title? And he said, fuck what you talking about. My cardio is trash. I need to work on that. Uh, you know, so incredible, incredible. The fact that they would, the, the guy literally said that he's not ready for a title shot. And then four days later, they announced that he's fighting for the title. Psh, beats me. You know, the last guy who said he wasn't ready to fight for the title was Darren Till. After he missed weight for his fight, he won anyway. But he said, yeah, I don't think I'm ready for the title yet because I missed weight. Well, guess what? The UFC is like, we need a main event. You're our guy. You're fighting Woodley. And Darren Till was a victim of one of the most one-sided beatings in UFC history. In UFC title fight history, let's say. You know, they rushed their contender. They put him in there, and he got mauled. You know, Derek Lewis, they're, they're obviously capitalizing on the fact that he had an, uh, a great performance. Not a great performance. Great comeback uh, at... The, the most uh you know the most watched ufc of all time and he also had a very funny post-fight speech after you know the whole my balls were hot thing you know usa in this hoe he's got a lot of you know mainstream attention from people in the past couple days his his uh instagram followers have jumped from five hundred thousand to 1.1 million so obviously the ufc is seeing the popularity he's getting and they need a main event, so they're they're totally waiving the fact that he ages eight seventy to eighty shots. They're waiving the fact that he was medically suspended until after this event, November sixth. But but what happens is the medical suspension. Okay, Derek Lewis, you you got five weeks. You can tr uh, fight again on November sixth. Then a day later, they say, oh, oh oh wait, here's a revised list. Derek Lewis is eligible to fight October 29th. Wow, wow, how. How miraculous that you, you, you change one guy's suspension and he just gets thrown into a title fight, man. It's just not even, you know, sure, it, sure it'll be a good fight. Sure, I mean, it'll be a fun fight. It'll be entertaining. There's obviously some marketing aspects to the fight. But you're just throwing out safety, throwing it out the window. Look what you did to, to Michael Bisping. He had a tough fight. Three-round fight against George St. Pierre. You needed a main event that fell through a couple weeks later. You you take your former champion, Bisping, you fly him to China. You put him in a fight three weeks later, and he gets knocked out cold. You know, you can't have guys fighting two times in one month, especially when on the first of the month, the dude ate 80 punches to the head, and it was almost finished multiple times. It, it makes it makes no fucking sense. It's so desperate from the UFC. The UFC announced Valentina Shevchenko versus Sajara Eubanks for UFC 230. The fans were outraged. They said, "How could you make that main event? How could you, uh, you know, m not make Dustin Poirier versus Nate Diaz the main event instead? How could you take away Joanna Yanjacek versus Valentina Shevchenko? How could you do all of this?" They said, "Oh yeah, you're right. That was a stupid move. Uh, scratch that. Eubanks, you're done. You're not. You're not fighting for the title anymore. Uh, Valentina versus Joanna. That fight's back on. Uh, and instead, we have a new main event. It's just like they're. It's like they're. they every card is a puzzle, right? Okay, you need 13 pieces to every puzzle, and it seems like the UFC is taking you know one piece from a different puzzle and putting it here, and they're you know sticking one puzzle piece here and putting it there. It, it makes no sense. They're you know they're they're dismantling certain uh, cards to make others better, and you know it, 
they're also risking fighter safety in, in the process. They're also disrespecting the fuck out of certain fighters, like Sajara Eubank saying, hey, you have a title shot, and then just taking it away from her out of nowhere. You know, this girl got heat from fans. They're like, oh, you fucking bitch. How could you, how could you be in the main event? You're three and two in, in, in MMA. You have one UFC fight. You miss weight, you fucking bitch. You know, like this girl got tormented for a week. Just, oh, she's probably thinking, man, my life's pretty shit right now. All the fans hate me. But uh, hey, at least I'm going to get to fight for that title, right? No, 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 no. That, the title fight doesn't even happen anymore. And I bet you the fans are still going to hate this girl. Even though she didn't even get the title fight after all. You know, her, her, her responses were definitely a bit questionable. She said, you know, uh, the reason why you guys don't, you know, like me in the main event is because you're afraid to see another black person as UFC champion. Uh, that's not the case. That's not the fucking case at all. Like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. It's because you're 3-2 and two in MMA and you're trying to headline Master Square Garden at a weight class that you couldn't make last fight. Your last fight got canceled because you couldn't make the weight and your fight got, you know, they luckily scrapped a kit together a main event at the last second. And, you know, the, the, this girl is is delusional. You know, she, she was, was very, very, you know, emotional in her responses to the fans. But, I mean, who wouldn't be when you have, you know, this girl didn't wasn't even verified on Twitter, had like a couple thousand followers, and all of a sudden she's headlining uh, one of the biggest UFC cards of the year in Madison Square Garden. Okay, obviously it made no sense, but, you know, uh, still, the girl took a lot of punishment unjustly for it, and uh, that can't be undone. So, um, you know, I'm very, very happy, though, that Yolanda versus Shevchenko is back on. Obviously, that's the better fight. Um, but, uh, man, this Derek Lewis fight, it seems it seems very desperate. And, uh, you know, it seems, you know, like a huge mismatch. You know, the odds are already out for it. Daniel Cormier is a minus 8 or 900 favorite. You know, predictably, I really don't see how Derek Lewis wins this fight. You know, maybe and yeah, you know, a, a haymaker punch that lands on Cormier. But Cormier is a terrific boxer. He's a terrific wrestler. Derek Lewis, um, uh, it, it, you know, has got got some power. Got some pretty bad cardio. Doesn't have much grappling skill, but. You know, Daniel Cormier also was, you know, they had rumors of him fighting on this card versus, you know, Jones or Gustafson or something. And Daniel Cormier said he couldn't fight because he had a hand injury. Uh, but all of a sudden, they, you know, offer him a certain amount of money and a certain contender and Derek Lewis who he thinks he could beat. And he's like, oh, never mind. Fuck my hand. I'll fight anyway. Fuck, fuck my Brock Lesnar fight that I'm supposed to have in a couple months that I need my heavyweight title for, I'll fight Derek Lewis because he knows it's such a little risk. Um, you know, it's 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 bad. Um, you know, we don't need main events this bad where you have to where you have to f forge together this this main event. We have Dustin Poirier versus Nate Diaz could have been main event, but they decided to do this instead. But it might have been a good move considering breaking news this past the past 24 hours. Dustin Poirier has pulled out of UFC 230 with an undisclosed injury. Undisclosed injury, you might say? Kind of like what they would say if he was popped for a USADA violation? You know, yes, uh, we don't know if it's USADA. We don't know if it's an injury yet. That's the, the you know, the new wondering aspect of this new USADA policy. So uh, we will figure out in the, in the coming days or weeks whether it is an injury, whether it is a USADA violation. So um, 
a huge bummer though, man. That card took a huge, huge hit. I mean, that's that was the the best fight on the card, I believe, and unfortunately, it has been uh, erased. Um, but good news, the other title fight that is announced, the long return, oh, long awaited a return of the greatest fighter of all time, John Bones Jones, will be returning at the end of the year at UFC 232 um, in Las Vegas, Nevada, taking on uh, an opponent he's fought before in a rematch five years in the making, Alexander Gustafson. Uh, John Jones and Alexander Gustafson will presumably be fighting for the uh, vacant UFC light heavyweight title. Uh, I assume they will strip Daniel Cormier of it in the meantime, and um, you know they will put that belt up for grabs versus John Jones versus Gustafson. Man, uh, incredible, incredible fight! We've been calling for this rematch for years. You know it was supposed to happen at UFC 178. And it, it fell through. I believe uh, Gustafson got hurt, and that's when Daniel Cormier filled in, and then somebody else got hurt, and then they ended up fighting at UFC 182 instead. But uh, yeah, we've been we've been waiting to see this rematch for a while. It's been rumored for a while that maybe they would have it at UFC 230, or and eventually it gets done for UFC 232. So very very excited to see that one. There will be two title fights in that card. Also, the women's super fight between Chris Cyborg and Amanda Nunes. So, um, you know, the UFC really, really, uh, you know, came together at the end of the year. They had this schedule that was, you know, it, they were missing pieces to all these cards, missing, missing the major piece, the, the main event, the ticket seller of every event. And, um, you know, eventually they, they cemented them in. They cemented in Holloway versus Ortega for Toronto 231. Uh, Lewis versus uh, Cormier 230 and Jones versus Gustafson at UFC 232. So uh, a lot of news ha happened in the past couple weeks, uh, in the past couple of days even, you know, with these title fights and obviously that crazy, crazy brawl that happened this past weekend. So felt felt the need to make a special edition of Martian MMA uh, to, to talk about it. There will be no UFC preview this week. There's no UFC cards until October 27th. So after this episode, you guys won't hear from me until around uh, a few days before then. There's a uh, Bellator this weekend. You know, Fedor Emelianenko is taking on Chael Sonnen. Uh, Ryan Bader is taking on Matt Mitrione. Benson Henderson is fighting. Uh, Lorenz Larkin is fighting. There's uh, Sergey Karatonov versus Roy Nelson. There's uh, a lot of great Bellator fights going on this weekend, and two cards actually. So that'll uh, keep people entertained. Also, PFL going down. So a lot of uh, a lot of other MMA to watch just because there's not any UFC this week doesn't mean there's not MMA to watch. So uh, I will leave it at that. I'm not going to dive too far into the Bellator cards. I'm going to pick uh, the both the heavy favorites in uh, Fedor and uh, Bader to win and to end up fighting one another in the heavyweight Grand Prix finale. So um, that's going to be all for this quick edition of Martian MMA. This has been episode 36 of the program. And ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast, I thank you for tuning into this episode. And I will see you guys before UFC MontCon. Peace. Thank you.